The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to Dover, the Monster Mile, and that is the 46-foot structure that we are sitting in the shadow of. Uh, we hope you've been with us all day because it has been a busy day here. Chris Devota alongside two drivers who have both won at this track, Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett. DJ, uh, for four drivers, they only have two more nights of sleep dreaming of a championship. Uh, yeah, and you know this format has become so much more stressful for these drivers. They face stress every week, but nothing like the fact that you know when you're eliminated. You always have hope. They still have that right now, but a lot of work to be done uh, by Sunday afternoon. Yeah, for some of these guys, the last good night's sleep they had was after the Richmond race when they were in the playoffs, and now they stand on the brink of being eliminated. And it is. It's a ton of pressure. With the new playoff system, uh, the stage racing has totally changed how we look at these last 10 races of the season. Well, here's what we've got coming up for you over the next hour here on NASCAR America. As you see, uh, some gentlemen continuing to talk in the garage. Kurt Busch's crew chief, Tony Gibson. Uh, the biggest drama this weekend will definitely be from guys like Kurt Busch, the guys racing, trying to avoid elimination. We'll hear from some of them. Plus, Jimmy Johnson has won here 11 times. The last victory tying him with a childhood hero. And Martin Truex Jr. is atop the leaderboard. We'll show you what he did on Thursday that should put him number one in a lot of fans' hearts. Truex, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and Brad Keselowski, they have already locked themselves in to the next round on either wins or points. That leaves eight spots to be settled this weekend. For drivers around the cut line, the stakes can't be higher. Get the job done or your title hopes are finished. Now qualifying is going to be a big part of that. It actually just wrapped up a short time ago. Of course, we're talking about for Sunday's elimination race. And really, the drama for one of those playoff drivers happened right away in round one, DJ. Yeah, it started early for Jamie McMurray. Uh, got knocked out of the that 24 that was going to advance into the second round. Had to go back out to see if he could position himself in there. Wasn't able to do that as we see Eric Almirola is the one now that comes in and puts McMurray outside of that top 24. So again, if you're McMurray, I mean, this is all you can do, right? you got to go out and give it one more shot. Yeah, you can't leave anything on the table at this point in time. He's that guy that's just inside the bubble that's eight or nine up, uh, but you've got to qualify well here. We talk about it week in and week out, but this is one of those places that pit selection, track position is important. Yeah, it's a really tough pit road. It's real narrow. Tougher yeah. for you guys to get onto pit road. Yeah, and, and trying to get yourself positioned to where you might take advantage and get some stage points and be able to be in a better spot. Well, no one is better at this track than Jimmy Johnson. 11 wins, which just seems phenomenal. Yeah. But qualifying, Kyle, not good to them today. Yeah, and, and maybe we should say no one has been better than Jimmy Johnson uh, because there were a lot of guys a little bit better today. These two guys are on the bubble. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse and Austin Dillon. These two guys have been together ever since they dropped the flag on this playoffs just come up a little short. Yeah, somebody trying just to show that they're going to maybe kind of fire that first shot yes. be ahead of the other, get a little bit of confidence going. So Stenhouse did not advance to that final round of 12, but almost he was able to push himself up there a little higher. So Kyle Busch, I mean, he has been so, so strong, especially in qualifying. You see Kyle Busch puts himself on the pole uh, until... 
until Martin Truex goes out. And that seems to be the, the tale of the first stage of our, the first segment of the playoffs. These guys have qualified one and two. They finished one and two, two or three times or finished uh, as winners of these things. So that uh, starts on Friday during qualifying. Yeah, no surprise to see Truex, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson at the top. But this, these are the starting positions we're really paying attention to. We told you Jamie McMurray had some trouble. Ricky Stenhouse, 15th. Austin Dillon, 23rd. Ryan Newman is sort of the winner, I guess, if you will, of this group. Yeah, and of this group that we're talking about having a chance, he had probably the best run of all of them back here earlier this year. So this is a racetrack that Ryan Newman, I think, feels very comfortable in the situation that they've been put in right now that he can advance uh, two round, to that next round of 12. So how are some of these drivers feeling? Let's uh, throw down inside of the garage. Parker spoke with Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon will start 23rd in tomorrow's, or Sunday's race, sorry. Austin, what were you missing there? Just not able to make it in the second round. Didn't look like you had the speed there in that at sec, in the first round there. Yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> yes, a little bit, well, a little rounds, right? Yeah, um, I don't know. We're, uh, we've been missing the rotation about a three-quarter mark all day, and... Um, our teammate Ryan Newman's been pretty fast, and we kind of went that direction, and not not a lot there. So um, we got to figure something out for Sunday. But we always race better than we qualify. I'm, I'm still uh, pretty optimistic with our AAA Chevy. So we'll just go get them when it comes to racing. And what has been different from the qualifying to the race here? You know, you talk about the rubber being laid down. What are you looking for that race car to do in race trim that's going to make it better and be able to make up the spots and maybe get some stage points that you need? Yeah, the track just slows down a little bit when we get out here in race trim and start sliding around a little bit. And so we'll see what we have. Um, we just got to go race them hard all day and, and see what we come out with. Austin's going to race them hard and try to get some of those stage points to advance here in the playoffs. And we are going to be watching drivers like Austin, like a Hawk. I mean, Kyle, the two drivers on either side of the cut line, that's four drivers, 10 points apart. I mean, the drama is right in front of us. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, and this is not manufactured drama. This yeah. is the way it's been after the first two two races in the playoffs. These guys are on top of each other. They've qualified on top of each other. I, Ryan Newman kind of separated himself. He gave himself a little bit of breathing room by qualifying as well as he did. But we saw uh, in the graphic earlier, all these guys seem to be in the same place. Austin Dillon has run a couple of really great races as far as a driver goes. I, I really like Liked what he did at, at, at Chicago, liked the way he drove the race at New Hampshire. Doesn't have the finishes to show for it, but he's one of the guys that I feel like is going to come in here, have a solid run, and will be able to advance. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch all of this. Kyle, if we had a dollar for every time we said we race better than we qualified, <laughs> yeah. then we'd be in pretty good shape. But, you know, that's a driver just trying to take the positive things away from things that didn't go right. But there's so many stories going on here and, and different things to look at. You know, you've got those drivers there that are, that are battling for that. And then you get on the other side of it where it seemingly looks like Casey Kane and Kirk Bush are going to have to win the race. And I have to I would say now that let's go back to what has made this year really exciting stage racing. I think that Kirk Bush in particular could look at okay, he qualified okay, but he's there where he can get inside of the top 10 and if he can position himself around the top 5 or even better he, in the first two uh, stages, then he could have those points if the other guys finish outside of there. He's almost a race that 17-point yeah. deficit that he is to that 12th spot now. So a lot that could be happening. We'll have to pay attention in those first two segments to see if he's able to do that. If not, 
then it's going to be all about trying to figure out some way, somehow, to go to victory lane. Yeah, and, and the sad part is, you know, we, we look at Casey Kane, we look at, at, at Kurt Busch. Those guys can't. They can, it, theoretically, they could point their way in. But they've got to count on someone else having a lot of trouble yeah. for them to capitalize on that. They've got to count on Austin Dillon being one of the first cars out. They've got to count on Jamie McMurray being one of the, the first cars out. And I mean finishing 35th, 36th, 37th, 38th. I don't see that happening. The only way that they can assure themselves moving on is to get that victory, is to go up there and make something happen for themselves. Everything else that happens for them on the racetrack on Sunday will be at the mercy of someone else. Well, here's the reason you have to tune in and, and stay tuned in, because this is a track where if somebody has trouble, there's an accident, it could collect a whole bunch of cars, yeah. like some of these playoff drivers. Like you said, if some of those guys have trouble, all of a sudden Kurt Busch and Casey Kane, if they're not in trouble, they're back in it. Yeah, and I think that this, honestly, and this isn't just setting up to, to say, okay, everybody watch till the end, but I can see a situation that in the last five laps that this is very fluid, that four of these drivers switching spots, yeah. making a pass that puts them in for the minute, trying to hold someone off from passing them that would put them outside of the top 12. I really believe it's going to be that close and that exciting. Yeah, and remember, with the stage racing and the stage points and everything that Dale's talking about, something happens late in the race, we have the new invention of the five-minute clock. You can't yeah. fix those things and go back out there and mm -hmm. ride around just to get points. If you can't make minimum speed, you head to the garage area, and your point day is over, everything's over. So there could be big swings in the last 25 to 50 laps of this race. That's a great point. That revolving door in and out of the garage back onto the track yes. used yeah. to be open, wi over. wide open. Now that's over. Yeah. Whew, a lot to keep track of, and we're <laughs> just really getting started here on the, on the next hour of NASCAR America here at Dover. We talked Jimmy Johnson, the trouble he had in qualifying, but anytime NASCAR comes to Dover, you have to watch him. Will his quest for a record eighth championship kick into high gear at the track he's conquered 11 times? We'll talk about that next. KNN East. It's the KNN East Championship race, right? Okay. I supposed to put my thumbs through this thing? Do you guys have thumb holes?
Welcome back to Dover, where it's a playoff doubleheader weekend. Catch both races here on NBCSN, starting with the Xfinity Series tomorrow at 3 Eastern, then Sunday at 2 Eastern, an elimination race for the Monster Energy Cup Series. Only five drivers have earned at least 10 wins at a single track. One of them is future Hall of Famer Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy got his 11th career Dover victory during the spring race. That win was the 83rd of his career, tied him with Hall of Famer Cale Yarbrough on the all-time wins list. Wow, that is some elite company. Knowing he could tie Cale with that win back in June, Jimmy designed a special helmet with the number 83 in Cale's image. With more on the dynamic between these two champions, here's Nate Ryan. Heroes. We all have them when we were kids. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. But for Jimmy Johnson, it was Cale Yarborough. Baker gets it wrong, and going into first goes Cale Yarborough. At the line, does it. Now, they may not have grown up anywhere near each other, but El Cajon, California's Jimmy Johnson and Timminsville, South Carolina's Cale Yarborough have a connection that not only spans the pages of the NASCAR history books, but time, a long-lasting mutual respect for one another. Jimmy said, I never thought I would end up here in NASCAR as a kid racing in the dirt out in Southern California. I was a big Cale Yarborough fan. I remember going to a race in Oklahoma with my parents. We're driving across the country and we pull up to a Hardee's had no idea it was a burger stand, and I, I really thought when I walked in the doors I was going to carry a grocery shop. And there's a fight between Cale Yarborough and Donnie Allison. Maybe that love for Yarborough was the way Cale raced, or the big-time sponsors that he had. Or maybe it was his humble beginnings working as a tobacco farmer. Or maybe it was the stories Cale told of being struck by lightning, or even wrestling alligators. But what Cale represented was a larger-than-life personality in American auto racing. In 1978, Yarborough was the first to win back-to-back-to-back titles in NASCAR's Premier Series, a proud feat that stood unmatched for three decades. Now, Jimmy, when you're making history... In 2008, at the NASCAR Awards Banquet, Johnson was surprised to learn of a special speaker. Please welcome to the stage the other three-time champion, Cale Yarborough. I've been a big fan, and that was a huge huge honor for me to uh, see him that night on stage when it, when I got my third championship. The fun thing I remember is, is uh, on stage when he pointed out that I just tied him. I hadn't beat his record. All records are going to be broken and tied. Tied really is all he's done. So, boy, you got some work to do. You know, you got some work to do. <laughs> Looked at me, and I'll never forget that look in his eyes. I mean, he still has that competitive fire. I mean, he was very happy that I had tied him, but he didn't want me to break him. That doesn't bother me. Listen, uh, to, to, to be as blessed as I was to be able to be the first one to win three consecutive championships lasted for 30-some years. If I'd have had to pick somebody to do it, uh, I couldn't pick a better person than Jimmy Johnson. What's that, buddy? You hit it there again. Records are made to be broken. Johnson went on to win five championships in a row. Unbelievable! We did this. Unbelievable! But via the numbers, what Johnson provides is a vital link, an ambassador to the past, if you will, one that he honored on Dover weekend. Now the checkered flag is coming out. It is all over, and Jimmy Johnson, for the 11th time in his career, has picked up the win. 
At 46 years of age, Yarborough reached 83 Cup Series victories after starting 560 races. Johnson accomplished the feat at age 41 and in just four fewer races. What stands out the most is the respect. There is no dispute over the differences in eras, rules, and competition. For Johnson, surpassing a childhood hero is a chance to tip the cap to a true legend. I do have one artifact that we found from my friend Lauren Rainier, one of Kale's old hats. <laughs> when we look back on Johnson's career years from now, history will place him near the top of the sport. But for Johnson, what will make him smile is just the gestures, the acknowledgement of a job well done. Such a great perspective yeah. from Nate. And Nate yes. Ryan's going to come up here and join us in a few moments. Jimmy and Kale are tied for sixth on the all-time wins list. So Jimmy's next win would tie Bobby Allison and Daryl Walter for fourth. Since Jimmy's win here in June, he hasn't returned to victory lane. He hasn't led a lap since Daytona in July. Hard to believe. Lots of fans expect the 48 team to sort of flip a switch once the playoffs start. What does Jimmy think about that? The processes stay the same, and I know it appears that a switch is flipped. Um, but you know, there, there's nothing different from our effort and our processes that, that transition us from summer to fall. Um, the one thing that does happen is we show up in Chicago, which is a great track for us. Then Dover's right around the corner, and then Charlotte, and then Martinsville, and then Texas. So it, it really is the tracks that we compete on. So, okay, DJ, as we see the team working there uh, on the 48 car, um, it seems like there is no kryptonite for Superman if he says these are great tracks coming up. Yeah, and I'm going to preface with what I'm going to say in that I'm not counting Jimmy Johnson out of anything. I agree that the tracks do line up very well for him over the years, the way. But it, here's my thing is the racetracks have changed. Obviously, the cars have changed, and I don't see the speed out of their cars that we have seen in years past. But I think it's more about the tracks changing. When you think about next week going to Charlotte, they're going to race there in the daytime. And I would have said in years prior that that really plays into Jimmy Johnson's hands. But because I haven't seen the speed, I think that part of that comes because their cars aren't handling quite as well with the lower downforce package. And so I think that could be an issue. Texas, where he used to go and could win at any moment, any time, even in his what we would call the worst years, which he hasn't really had a bad year, he'd go there and win uh, and do things. But with the repave, you know, that's taken away, I think, a lot of the advantage that he has had there. But as he pointed out, these are all still good racetracks. you got Martinsville. So there's enough there, enough in this seven-time champion that he might can point his way through there. And then that win at Martinsville would send him right back to Homestead racing for that eighth championship. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson is not going to get knocked out in this first round. Okay, yeah. Yeah, We're not talking about that. We're talking about championship contention and where we see him right now on that championship scale. And, and as Dale talks about the, ch the racetracks changing, those so much of that has changed. Stage racing is a big element. I yep. think you've got to throw that in. Um, and and it, we, we have talked and talked. We beat it to death, the lack of speed in the Hendrick cars. So set that to the side. But stage racing is totally different. Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals wore you down in a 500-mile race or a 500-lap race. They continued to make adjustments. One of the best things that team did together, he and Jimmy did, or Chad and Jimmy did together, was they talked, they communicate, they made adjustments at the right time, they kept up with the racetrack. Well, now we have stage racing. We're throwing in two extra timeouts where these guys get to catch up, and they're short races. It's a short first segment, a short second segment, then we run the third one. So when I look at that, 
that's one of the things that I look at to say, okay, that's put them in a little bit different place, made it a little bit harder. That plus the lack of speed and plus the rise of Martin Truex and the Gibbs yeah. organization, I think they're just in a place right now where they're not that championship caliber team or above everybody. They're always going to be a championship caliber team, but where they're so much better than everybody else. Yeah, and I think you throw Larson in there. You've got uh, Matt Kenseth running yes. much better. Denny Hamlin on, on a regular basis can be right there. It's made their job much more difficult right now, I think, to, to do the things and to find that speed. I think for a lot of the summer months that they were just throwing a lot at these, and I think Chad and Jimmy both said that. I don't think that's the mode that they're in now, but could they possibly be put back in that and trying to catch up here and, and navigate their way through these next couple of, of rounds to see if they can indeed find that one winning moment that, yeah. that's going to get them back there racing for a championship yep, again. Yeah, and that's all it takes. You mentioned Truex. We have a really cool uh, story coming up, uh, what Martin Truex did for some fans yes. here just yesterday. You want to stick around to see that because it's, it's really going to tug at your heartstrings. By the way, Truex uh, put his car on the pole a yep. few moments ago. So all things running uh, just the way Martin Truex likes them right now. Coming up, we are going to dig deeper into that bubble driver conversation, the race within the race. So I hear from some of those drivers who are facing elimination this Sunday at Dover. Which of them will keep their run for a championship going into the round of 12? That is coming up. It sounds like there was quite a few people that had trouble today. No mistake. This is a playoffs and you can't have mistakes. Right up against the wall was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Something's not right with the front end. 17 pass through permission line violation. We're over the wall too soon. Gonna have to do a pass through. 50.06. Uh, it was it was my fault. The huge mistake that will definitely count against transferring into the second round. As soon as the smoke cleared, I'm looking at Harvick's door. The 41 gets into him, he couldn't see. I cannot understand the bad luck that we're having. Look out there, boys. The right side track bars broke. This is exactly what Casey Kane did not need. We worked hard and just didn't come out with a good result. We were still going to fight all the way to the end, but now we don't have a chance. Well, the bubble drivers are out of mulligans. They cannot afford to have more trouble this weekend at Dover. Here are the starting positions for those bubble drivers. You see Ryan Newman starting eighth, really the, the, the winners, if you will, of these bubble drivers when it comes to qualifying. Now, McMurray has been in this situation before. Earlier today, he spoke about how this year is different. I've been on the, in this position the last two years at this track, and it's going to be different this year because in, in the years past, um, like I think it was two years ago with, with Dale Jr., um, I knew that all I had to do if, if, if Harvick won the race, I, I knew for the last 200 laps that all I had to do was outrun Dale Jr. If I finished in front of him, then I won or I advanced. If he finished in front of me, he advanced. It's different this year because people can get stage points throughout the race and so it's not as easy as I, I don't I don't know how many points I am ahead of the the guys behind me uh, but it, it's not as easy as just knowing that you need to be X amount of point, you know positions in front or behind somebody because if you finish second or third in a stage earlier in the race that completely changes the the points for me just go as hard as you can and I mean the points will take care of themselves they did for the first 28 races or whatever so um, you know you you can think about that but I don't think my sponsors necessarily want me to say, well, that was good enough. They want to stay in a victory lane. 
it's going to be a, a race within the race, but you got to be smart um, um, throughout and make sure you're there at the end and put yourself in good positions. And I'm uh, looking forward to the challenge. You know, it's a, it's a little championship run here for, for all three of us this race. So um, one of us, I think, obviously is going to get the next round, so we got to make it happen. And as close as it is on the bubble, it's worth noting how the tiebreaker works. It's the best finish in each playoff round. That's why Ricky Stenhouse Jr. holds the final playoff spot right now over Austin Dillon, even though they're tied on points. Stenhouse finished 15th at New Hampshire. That beats Dillon's 16th place finish at Chicago. No matter what happens Sunday, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has had a great season with two wins to his credit. Stenhouse became the first driver from Mississippi to win a cup race in nearly 20 years. Ricky is this week's guest on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. He told Nate Ryan why he thinks his team shouldn't feel any pressure going into Sunday. Like, I feel like if we can make a run through these playoffs, like, we're almost playing with house money. We're not really favored to make it to the round of 12. We're not expected to make it anywhere. So anything that we can do is, is, is 100% a bonus for us. Yeah. And that man you heard say, all gravy, is with us now, <laughs> Nate Ryan. Uh, so, Nate, when, when Ricky talked about that, what else did he say, and do you agree with that, that he's sort of taking the right approach, I guess, if you will, into this elimination race? Well, he was very candid, Krista, in the course of this conversation, and his Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s eyes were opened when he got to Chicagoland Speedway and saw that first practice, and he saw what Martin Truex Jr. had, what Kyle Busch had, what Denny Hamlin had, and he realized... His team isn't on that level, <laughs> and he's not sure if they can get to that level by the end of the season. He, he realized, you know, first time in the playoffs, he expected teams would step up, but I think they stepped up a little bit more than he expected. Yeah. So rather than be demoralized by that, Kyle and DJ, I think this is Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s way of saying, hey, we've won twice this season. We've already made our season. We're a success. The pressure is on guys like Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch, who, granted, they've advanced to the next round, but... If they don't make it to the championship round, they've wasted essentially a career year. Whereas Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is looking at this as, again, all gravy. I'm, I'm already in the playoffs. Yeah. Anything from here, yeah, I'm good with. Yeah, and, and drivers are weird that way. Uh, you are. <laughs> we can look at something and pick the positive out that affects us for our mental attitude. And I, I think that's what, what Ricky said. Let me, and I will say this. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has had a phenomenal year as far as I'm concerned. If you had told me in February that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was going to win two races, not back into two races, yeah. win two races, and do it on his driving ability with a Roush car, I would have laughed at you. I would have <laughs> laughed in your face, I'm going to tell you. But the Roush organization has upped their game this year, especially on the super speedways. Uh, and he outdrove those guys. When we go back to Talladega, we, we go back to Daytona, put himself in position to win this race. He did a great job. Trevor Bain's done a great job. Are they there on the intermediate tracks and short tracks? No. That's why Ricky deflects it and says, oh, look at Truex, look at Kyle Busch, look at those guys over there, don't look at me, because he knows they're not in that league. We just saw those guys with the tiebreaker. Their best finish has been 15th. If your best finish in the first two rounds has been a 15th, you've got to look for a positive somewhere and say, we've had a great year. Yeah, he has had an outstanding year. I mean, to get two wins when you look at all the people that haven't been able to win and, and we think that we're going to. Here's the thing about Ricky Stenhouse, though. You know, he found a way last Sunday to keep himself relevant by coming back from a race car yeah. that wasn't handling very good and got a, that 15th place finish and got himself in this position. So let's just look ahead that he has a really good day here or, or a decent day on Sunday and it's enough to advance him. That's 
11 other drivers, worst nightmare, so to speak, <laughs> because Talladega's in right. the middle of the yeah. next round, and you have to put him as one of the favorites there. He just won the last race that, that competed there. He's won the last two plate races. So all of a sudden, drivers that were looking at, oh, we can get to the round of 80s, here's a guy that yeah. they weren't even thinking about. So not that they're pulling against anybody, but it would make a lot of them feel a lot easier <laughs> if Ricky Stenhouse didn't have True. a really good day on Sunday. Would you have really laughed in my face? Oh, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> laughed in your face Every weekly. day. Weekly. All right, you what guys you bring about? up a good point. I want to get your take on this. And, Nate, I want you to jump in the conversation. I'm going to start with DJ because you talk about what makes a successful season and how expectations are maybe different. So Ricky Stenhouse has had a great year because he's yeah. won two races. Right now, Kurt Busch and Casey Kane are really on the outside looking in, but these are two drivers who won some pretty big races. Hey, you win the Daytona 500. Kurt Busch did that. He had never done it before. He's got that trophy. He's the Daytona 500 champion, and you can't take that away. That makes for a great year. Certainly, you start off the year like that, you want better things and bigger things to go on. They started out the year wanting to win the first race, but they also won the chance at the championship. And then, arguably, the second biggest race is the Brickyard 400. Casey Kane, who hasn't had much success the last couple of years, he wins that second biggest race. So, yes, they've had outstanding years. You have to look at You have to put things in perspective all the time here uh, in this sport because it'll drive you crazy if you just think, well, if we don't win five races, then yeah. it wasn't a good year. So they have had a good year. They just wanted more. Yeah, and, and, and he's exactly right. There's two guys who have had, had a solid year. But listen, over the winter, everybody sets and says, okay, clean slate. We can all win the championship. They run about three races, and you say, okay, clean slate. We can all finish in the top 15 if we really have a great year. And I think it, it changes. What yeah. your goals are for the year changes. And I go back to Ricky Stenhouse. I'm sure those guys said, we want to make the playoffs. I'm not so sure they said, we can go out and win the championship at the beginning of the year. They've won two races. They've made the playoffs. For me, Ricky Stenhouse and Roush Racing has had a solid year and a good year as far as they're, they're concerned. Where Roush used to be, it's under, the, it's, it's under those expectations. But where they are now, that is a great year. Trevor Bain needs to step it up and contribute and be a, a part of that. But there's other guys that are in this chase or excuse me, that are in the playoffs right now that have to look at it the same way. Yeah, and, you know, you look at Richard Childress Racing. I mean, I think you're right, Kyle. Look at Ricky Stenhouse Jr., first time in the playoffs. Again, it's gravy. Richard Childress Racing, both Ryan Newman and yeah. Austin Dillon have been in the playoffs before. Austin Dillon made the second round last year. So there's a lot at stake, I think, for that team to get to the next round. And there's also a lot at stake in terms of playoff emojis because oh, wow. there are yes. 16 playoff emojis here, oh. and four of them are going away when four drivers are eliminated after the first round. And uh, you'll notice here that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has the Mississippi logo. Uh, Ryan Newman has the Caterpillar tractor. Okay. And uh, the good news that I have is even though four emojis are going away, there are some emojis being added by our graphics department. Oh, there are. For, mm. for you guys. And oh, we're we're going to start with Dale Jarrett. That's got to be Dale. Playing 18. Okay. That, that's, I think that's natural. That's, that's natural. Yeah, didn't make the DJ putt. DJ is natural so habitat. Yeah. You always yeah. play in a tie? And yeah. tie. This is also Krista Boder in her natural habitat, this I believe. Actually, oh. yeah. That's that actually was, just a normal Tuesday. I think, okay, I think okay. that was a winger concert, maybe. Yeah. Oh. Yes. And then do it, Bon Jovi. Finally, uh, of course, we have Kyle Petty. I think this is his philosophy for getting on Twitter. 
Twitter, right? This Twitter is you thing. right before you get on Twitter. That's, I just hate mine couldn't be as cool as a number like Martin Truex's. Boy, that took a lot of thought. Uh, but <laughs> so why don't we I, have a name Ryan emoji? I, I'm the smart one here. Yeah, I, I'm the only you, person who knew about this, obviously. Oh, yes, you are. Actually, I took myself out of this. It's funny because I thought, okay, Nate's talking success, and all of a sudden he's like, playoff emoji, and I'm like, oh, Nate's going somewhere with this. And then all of a sudden it's us. Rarely do I have something up my sleeve, but that's not That was really good. That was really good. 30 minutes we talked on that phone call, and Nate didn't say anything. Mention it. Nothing. So sly. Yes. So sly. Well, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who was on, again, Nate's uh, podcast this week, um, was the first guest. Do you guys remember this? The yes. first yes. guest for the Hall of Fame shows. Check out the lineup we have in the next three weeks. So you get a twofer coming up next week. David Reagan and Landon Castle, both in the house. Then October 11th, Danica Patrick will be our guest. And October 17th, Dale Earnhardt Jr. How about that? So you got to watch every week, every 5 p.m. Those are our drivers coming up. And speaking of Junior, this will be his last cup race at the Monster Mile. We'll show you the special gift he received commemorating one of his biggest victories next on NASCAR America. Welcome back to Dover. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will make his final cup race at Dover on Sunday. This is the track where back in 2001, Jr. won the first NASCAR race after the tragedy on 9-11. Recently, he reflected on that unforgettable moment. There's these times when this country really comes together hard, you know, and really when we really bond and get behind the same purpose. You know, nobody knew how to act or what was the right thing to do or how we were supposed to respond, and the whole country was really just sort of in shock and uh, couldn't believe that this had happened. Everybody was kind of coming out and commenting on what they were going to do the NFL. I didn't think we were going to wait. You know, I didn't think we were going to put off two, ra two race weekends. Perhaps there is no more appropriate place for the return of NASCAR Winston Cup racing than the state of Delaware. The attitude amongst NASCAR and what you were hearing outside of NASCAR was that we need to be doing what we're doing or what we're supposed to be doing. This isn't going to stop what we do and how we live and how, you know, how we act. Just a lot of patriotism. You know, red, white, and blue. There was a ton of American flags everywhere. All you know, everywhere you turned, there was a a reminder or evidence of what the country had gone through, was going through, what everybody's attitude was about it, and it sort of built up over the weekend. It was emotional. Like it was heavy. The American and checkered flags out at Dover. Earnhardt Jr. We didn't have anything planned, never talked about it. And everybody had something like that in the pits, you know. I don't know if everybody had a giant flag, but everybody was sort of expressing themselves patriotically in different ways, and we, our guys had a big giant flag. It, there's only these rare times when, no matter where you came from, who you were, what your job was, what your status was, you all were on the same page and you all had the same feeling and attitude. And going back to the racetrack, being at Dover, going through that process, seeing the reaction of the fans, all that was sort of the beginning of things being put back together, you know.
hearing Dale talk about it just gives you chills. And earlier today in the media center, Dover presented Dale Jr. with this statue replicating that moment after the 2001 race when he waved that flag after winning. There you see track president Michael Tatoyan doing the honors with Dale Jr. And just the unification, like he said, it didn't matter where you were from, just that moment. I mean, you, you really do have chills because the unity is something that, again, everyone looks for right now in this world. How do you bring people together? You guys were both in that race. Do you remember what, what your overriding feelings were in that moment? I think that the thing that, that strikes me are some things that Dale Jr. said there was that, yeah, we still had a competition, but it, it was like the competition was certainly way secondary. You know, we were here to perform, and I think that a lot of people came because they just wanted to see and do something different during that time. Yeah, it was a special time for me. He's got that flag. Yeah, that was, 2001 was the first year of having UPS as my sponsor. They took their that logo that was on the hood for all eight years of the sponsorship. That was the one time that that was taken off and I had an American flag on the hood of the car and so it was a proud moment I was just glad to be here and it was a different feel throughout the weekend but uh, still you know one that that we all felt very proud to be here and be a part of yeah and I, I, I agree I, I think the sporting event itself was secondary yeah. to everything that was going on in our country it was secondary our job as drivers our job as NASCAR our job as the sport of NASCAR was to give everyone that little bit of, of, of a chance to take their mind off that, to entertain them, to go out and do what we love to do in front of fans that love to see this sport and love this country. And, and, and that's what sports are all about to me. It's entertainment. It's taking your mind and watching the competition and enjoying it. It's not about statements. It's not about anything else. It's just about going out there and taking your mind off the day-to-day -day grind that you go through. That's why so many people love football and baseball and basketball, and that's why so many people love NASCAR. And we know all of this is a topic that is certainly in the news. Uh, Nate, by the way, is Nate Ryan is writing uh, an article right now about how basically just the, the, the procedures of, of, of yep. the pre-race ceremonies yeah. changed after that moment, after 9-11, yes, and obviously uh, thrust into the news now. Nate's going to join us on Sunday for the pre-race show to talk about that. And speaking of Dale Earnhardt Jr., um, you talk about the competition. He certainly is trying to get back to victory lane uh, in this, his final season. This might be a little telling, you guys. I don't know if you saw this. Earlier today, uh, a journalist, Lee Spencer, talked about the fact that, that three there are three spoilers, perhaps, in the mix with playoffs with fast cars. Yes. Dale said, I'll be your spoiler. And we, wouldn't, bit, yeah. yeah, wouldn't we love it? I mean, you know, another yes. something else to talk about. You know, we're obviously going to eliminate four drivers from championship talk. But if Dale Jr. could be that one to come in here, how outstanding would that be? And uh, he's done it before. Yeah, and the way he's walking through the garage area and, yeah. and the people, the guys that have talked to him and you see the interviews and stuff, he's pretty excited about being here at Dover. And that qualifying yeah. lap, pretty impressive. And she posted her tweet, I think, about 11 a.m. Within an hour, I think Dale put that up. Yeah. So I thought he's feeling a little confident, a little telling maybe, at least. Oh, yeah. And he said, hey, I'm going to go out there and give it a shot. That's for sure. Well, going on uh, right now, uh, inside the track behind us is the KNN, the championship race, actually, for the KNN East Series. It's a great series for young up-and-coming NASCAR drivers. Uh, Jeff Burton's son, Harrison, there in that 12 car. You can see the title race next Friday night at 1030 Eastern on NBCSN. Just up the road from here, is New Jersey Motorsports Park in Millville, New Jersey, which hosted the KNN series two weeks ago. Let's go ahead and take a look at highlights from that race. And we start by giving some props for the new KNN East Rookie of the Year, 17-year-old Chase Purdy of Meridian, Mississippi. 
Purdy season includes a run of four consecutive poles and five second place finishes. Now, Purdy hopes to make his own climb into the upper levels of NASCAR, following the path set by former K&N East champions like Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, and William Byron. We're talking a lot about Mississippi. We had Ricky Stenhouse, now Chase Purdy. <laughs> so let's move forward to the final restart. It's set up by a problem involving the four car of Chase Cabry. So they're going to go back to green with six to go. There's Harrison Burton in that 12, Will Rogers in the seven. They have contact on the inside, giving the lead to championship leader Todd Gimlin. But just a few turns later, Rogers is able to regain the lead. He wouldn't give it back. Rogers runs full-time in the West Series, but this season his biggest success has been in the East. Rogers won his first East start earlier this season at Watkins Glen in New Jersey. He made it two for two. And that brings us to today's season finale. So we'll have to see what happens. It's going on right behind us inside. Really exciting. Mayetta, New Jersey is where Martin Truex Jr. grew up. Coming up next, we'll show you how the number one seed used his off day to give a group of people a ride they'll never forget. A little shake and bake. You're the last guy of the day, so if I hit the wall, it's no big deal. Of all the places I've done ride-alongs, this is definitely the craziest one. You know, just because this track is just, they call it the monster for a reason. It's just insane what it feels like. I think they got a whole new appreciation for NASCAR and what we do behind the wheel. Jr.'s hometown of Mayetta, New Jersey, which is about 75 miles from here as the crow flies. A lot of fans will be pulling for him, including a group of veterans and civilians coping with spinal cord injuries. On Thursday here at Dover, Truex and Furniture Row Racing gave them the thrill of a lifetime. I'd like to welcome all of you to NeuroGroove Race Day. A few years ago, uh, we got a phone call from some of our friends at Craig Hospital, and uh, we met one of the neurosurgeons, Scott, and he told us about a program, an idea he had, that he wanted to build a NASCAR cup car that some of his patients could, could utilize by putting hand controls and different adaptive systems in the car. The inspiration was from a former patient of mine who became spinal cord injured. He was an avid race car driver, and he told me that he was just dying to get back into a race car. And that's really where it started. There was no adaptive motorsports for the spinal cord injury, so we thought, let's go develop it. And the owner of our team, Barney Visser, really took a tart and told me, go build this car. Oh, yeah, I forgot this thing's automatic. Like, where's the clutch? It's literally a cup car, but it's a two-seater. Made it to where the doors actually open up and still closed to maintain the integrity of the roll cage. Hi, I'm Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Nice to meet you. Hello. You ever done anything like this? Um, no. Can you get on? Yeah, buddy. Right. 
A little shake and break? You're the last guy of the day, so if I hit the wall, it's no big deal. Of all the places I've done ride-alongs, this is definitely the craziest one, you know, just because this track is just, they call it the monster for a reason. It's just insane what it feels like. I think they got a whole new appreciation for NASCAR and what we do behind the wheel. It was truly amazing, you know, when he gets on the throttle, I mean, he really does sit you back in your seat. <laughs> you get to do that for a job. <laughs> He asked me in the beginning, he's like, how fast do you want to go? Did it look like we were going fast before? Jesus, it did. You want to go that fast or faster? Let's go fast. Okay. So I can't regret that. He was going freaking fast. He was telling me that they go four seconds faster than that lap right there. Had me up against the side there, going around the corner. I just couldn't, you know, I had some drool coming out. I, I don't think I was breathing very much through the whole thing. When I got to the end, I, I was like breathing heavily. A lot of cussing. That is crazy. <laughs> oh. A lot of curse words, just they couldn't believe how awesome it was. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was awesome. But we're all about to jump in and take it for a ride. What advice do you want to give us? Don't go as fast as I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, have fun. When I drove it, I didn't, you know, I did it with the hand controls. I just want, I've never driven a hand control, but I wanted to see what it was yeah. like. It's pretty easy. It's so inspiring to me. We've had people who were newly injured, and you can imagine if you're a young person, perhaps in your 20s, and you think the rest of your life, I'm in this chair, it can put you down in the dumps, and when we put them in the NASCAR and say, you're going to drive this thing, or you're going to ride it, it really changes things. All sorts of sports can be adapted in different ways, and a lot of people think of sports that you can't do because you're in a wheelchair or some other disability, and there's all sorts of ways to make it work. With a car like this, you usually would have to use your feet, and they've adapted this, you can use your hands with it, and that allows us to get involved. It feels awesome. It feels crazy. I didn't know about this kind of stuff before I broke my back. When you get injured, um, the first thing you think is, my life, you know, is completely changed. You know, you do miss out on some things, and that can really put a damper on a lot of people, and it's, um, it's all about getting your brain in a positive spot so you can get back out and experience life just as, uh, you know, as well as everyone else is. Awesome. Exhilarating. <laughs> Nicely that was, done. That was awesome, man. Oh, and you can see it on their faces, the fact that they got to drive yeah. the cars with those hand controls. And really cool that Martin Truex took some time out of his uh, off day yesterday to do that. And he's on the pole today. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Martin Truex is a special human being. There's no doubt about that. But what I liked is he said, don't go faster than I did. Guess what? Nobody up here has gone yeah. faster yeah. than he has so far. Yeah, and it's one of those things as a driver, you know, you go into it because you feel like that you're making a difference in other people's lives because they don't get to do something like that. And by the end of the day, you realize how much it's affected you. Yeah. But Martin Truex and, and his girlfriend, Sherry Paul, they're very, very special people. And it's nice to see good things happening for them yes. in their uh, professional life, too. They are living in the moment every yeah. single day yes. and uh, really gave it, like we said, it was a thrill of a lifetime for some of those folks uh, here in Dover, Delaware. Well, coming up, we're not done yet. Brad Kozlowski is looking for his second championship. Who better to get advice from than someone who's won five. We will show you Brad's visit with Alabama coach Nick Saban when we come back. The k and Pro Series East finale continues here at the Monster Mile. You will see that race here on NBCSN next Friday. Remember to stay tuned for NASCAR Decades, the 1970s. That's coming up 
after we're done here. Kyle, what do you remember about the 70s? Yeah, I'm going to watch the 70s because I don't remember don't anything remember. about here the 70s. <laughs> I don't remember anything. I want to go back to, to something here. Two things have happened today. Number one, Krista keeps taking her cough drop out and setting it on the desk, and there's a sticky spot between know, us, but sorry. I don't want to talk about that. Number two here, I want to go to this. You didn't like your emoji because you weren't the lead singer. What's up with that? No, I, I mean, I, here, I mean, you weren't I the like, lead singer. She didn't like. Mm, she yeah. didn't like the emoji they they designed for her because I like the she's emoji. not the lead singer. I just said I I tend when I do karaoke to not do I do solo numbers. You oh you're a solo I'm act. A solo. So, so, so like Cher or Madonna, you would be Krista. Right. No, yeah. not, not And these like fans that. had to duck as she threw things after as we went the to commercial. Drop. I can't yeah. eat a cough yeah. drop, and then I realize we're coming back on camera, is, and I try to sing. Wait a minute. Look, I can't lift I my hand. Because I set it down. <laughs> we, sorry, so we need a better emoji for, for Sunday. We will get you no, a better emoji. No, no, no. I like that one. That's no, wonderful. No, no, no. No, no, no. Listen, listen. You know, I like it. If you're, if you're, I understand what it's like to want to be the I leader. One thing. I understand what it's like. You're the lead dog here. You go out there and no. we just follow. It's Dale I and just, I. We just follow no, you. You guys do every. I just get to commercial break. That's it. No, no, no. You've done a tremendous job. I feel job. like I was supposed to be talking about what we have coming up on the. No, we no, talked we, about that already. Yeah, we've we've got, got, we've got emojis coming that. up. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you've done a great job here this afternoon. You've been under the weather all day yeah, long, and here you come out here and talk for an hour and lead us along. Okay, if we took Dale's emoji and yeah. changed that golf club to a microphone and put your head on Dale's, Dale's body there, that would be like a lead singer. You know what I'm saying? You're out there. You but got it going on. If I was golfing, it living wouldn't it, have gone in. Living it on a prayer. That one didn't that, either, as oh, you could say. No. What's uh, that? What like is the song? Living, living on a prayer. Living on a prayer. And that's what we've been doing right here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Living on a prayer right here on NASCAR yeah. America. Just right. hoping her voice doesn't go away. Hey, right, we would have to do no, I'm gonna Spit it out. I'm going to punch you, Kyle. So, Brad Kozlowski was down at Talladega promoting the upcoming race. Oh, he got to hang out with the University of Alabama football team. And the Michigan fans cried. Alabama has a home game versus Ricky Stenhouse Ole Miss coming up this week. We'll see you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.